a song with a lyric commonly misheard by one man. Music's most muddled classic car metaphor. And a vocal performance that launched an infamous FBI investigation. You're listening to Themes and Variation. Themes and Variation is a podcast about music and perspectives brought to you by the online music school Soundfly. I'm your host, Carter Lee. Hey there, folks. Another Themes and Variation coming at you. We've got a very fun episode for you today as we are talking about songs with commonly misheard lyrics. We've all been there, maybe at karaoke or just singing along to a track with some friends and like, hey, yeah, no, this, oh, I love this song. I totally love this song. And then it gets to the bridge and you just kind of have to mumble along because you really have no idea what's going on with the lyrics. So joining me for this deep dive and a look at some embarrassing moments is, of course, my frequent co-host, Mahaya Lee, and incredible songwriter, producer, and Soundfly mentor, Joseph Capalbo. In addition to being a really sweet dude, Joseph is an award-winning songwriter and producer who specializes in custom music for movies, television, commercials, and video games. Seriously, he has a massive list of credits. His music has been placed with global networks like ABC, CBS, NBC, MTV, the NHL Network, just to name a few, and he was the perfect guest for this episode. And we get into all kinds of things on this episode, like how diction can impact the legacy of a song, a very unnecessary FBI investigation, and I thoroughly embarrass myself with a rough misheard lyric. And of course, if you're enjoying the show, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can always drop us a line at podcast at soundfly.com with any questions, comments, or suggestions for themes for a future episode. So without further ado, let's get into the episode, Songs with Commonly Misheard Lyrics. All right, folks, another themes and variation coming at you. Joining me, of course, is my frequent co-host, Mahaya Lee. Mahaya, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, Carter. How are you? I'm good. Uh, we good. beat the heat over the weekend, uh, the, the highest recorded temperatures ever in the Pacific Northwest. Just Wait, are, in we, time. are you making small talk with me? I'm making right a little now? small talk, but uh, you know what? You know, let's <laughs> abandon the small talk because we have an incredible yeah. guest joining us, Mr. Joseph Capalbo. How are you doing, Joseph? Good. How are you guys today? Doing great. Is it Capalbo or Capalbo? It's Capalbo. I hear it That's all different ways, but yes, you did a good job so saying that. I just that. figured I should double check. I feel like I, yeah. Always good to check. <laughs> Nailed it. Joseph Capalbo. Excellent. Well, guys, we're talking songs with commonly misheard lyrics. When we came up with this theme, I think, Mejia, you probably came up with this theme uh, a while ago. ago. It was yeah. always on the list. It was like, I hope somebody picks it. And Joseph, it was one of the ones that uh, that you thought you would be down for. And Guys, I, there are so many songs that I have. As somebody that listens to music and, and doesn't really focus so much on the lyrics, I have a myriad of songs that I could have picked for this because I, I have so many embarrassing moments of singing the wrong lyrics. Were there any songs, you know, knowing what you guys did pick, were there any songs that you considered for this episode that you didn't end up going with? Um, I know, so my little brother used to hear 
the line, I love the colorful clothes she wears, as I love the colorful kushu way in the Beach Boys <laughs> song, I think it's Good Vibrations. Yeah. And it was just so adorable that that's kind of the one that's always stayed with me. But I mean, there's a whole book of these, right? That yeah. Hold Me Closer Tony Danza book. Well, that... That, that <laughs> I there's a couple things uh, to get into for sure. I, I mean, hey, I'm gonna put you on the spot. My favorite one that, that you oh, shared yeah. from your childhood is two. don't don't call Jason waterfalls from yep. uh, TLC's Ooh, waterfalls. Oh man, that's a weird like when it gets weirdly specific about a guy named Jason Waterfalls. That's a clue I mean, that probably it I isn't think, the right lyric. Okay, but I, th- I think when that song came out, Power Rangers were kind of having their heyday, and yeah, I was at the yeah. right age to care. And so the name Jason was like half of all men were Jason to me. But then the, the other song that I used to mess up all the time is that I don't even know what it's called. The Don't Call the Telephone Man song, Carter. Da, 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 da. What is that? Oh, that's um, Jimmy World. line though i don't know i don't know the actual line but i know it's not don't, don't call, call the, the telephone, telephone yeah for sure yeah i just hear, hear all lyrics as like instructions for things you shouldn't do. yeah <laughs> joseph any picks for you that you're like uh, i mean you picked a fantastic choice and i had a feeling somebody was going to pick that song because i think it's one that everybody's experienced but is there anyone else there that you were like ah thinking about for me i was looking at a lot of the trending songs um ti was one of them with um mm-hmm. want joe biden need joe biden which was always <laughs> used um during the last year so yeah um yeah so i almost went with that one but i wanted to go a little bit further back in time yep yeah and yeah i, I can't wait to get into yours for sure so mm-hmm. guys why don't we dive in and uh jump into our first track here uh which is my selection for the episode Since I was a young boy, I played the silver ball. From Soho down to Brighton, I must have played them all. But I ain't seen nothing like him in any amusement hall. That depth of a blind kid sure plays a mean pinball. All right, so we're listening to Pinball yeah. Wizard from The Who, a fantastic track. When you think of misheard, commonly misheard lyrics, was this one at all kind of on your radar? Like, I don't know. It's not, <laughs> not, not at all. Remotely. So I'll get into it. But yeah, I have a very uh, personal experience with having misheard this. And it might be the only person that's ever misheard this lyric as badly as I did. So this track, uh, you know, of course, from uh, 1969's rock opera record, Tommy. Mm-hmm. I do want to talk about the actual film a little bit as well. I couldn't place another song from this album. Not a single one. Did you guys remember any of the other songs from Isn't this there record? Is a song called Tommy? Um. Maybe <laughs> it would make sense. I have no idea. I feel like there was. I know there's. But now I don't remember. It's been a while for me. Well, there's um, the Acid Queen, which of course you remember Tina Turner playing the Acid Queen on the in the film. I 
I couldn't place any other song from this record. Not one other than uh, Pinball Wizard. It was written by Pete Townshend. Townsend actually called it the most clumsy piece of writing he'd ever done, <laughs> this song. Wow. Um, you know, a lot of my, when I think about The Who now, I think about Won't Get Fooled Again and like David Caruso on CSI Miami saying a really <laughs> bad pun and then the woo, and like the song coming on. No matter how you cut it, divorce sucks. Frank, it's a killer. So let's get into the misheard lyric. So I'm going <laughs> to, do you guys have any I, guesses I'm of so what my, my what lyric, my, do you have any guesses of where I may have made the mistake? No, because huh. it's like, given that it's a rock opera, like part of the point is that you can understand the lyrics fairly well because they tell the story. <laughs> right. It should. Sure. Well, who better to share the story of exactly what happened here than my dear friend, Patrick J. Wilson, who was the star witness for this incident. So this is exactly how it went down as he remembers it. Here's my second attempt at uh, rehashing the, the saga of the pinball wizard. Memory is a bit hazy, I have to say. I like to remember it, that we were cruising around in the Frankenbird or the Cavalier or something. I feel like that was our most classic rocky vehicle and we were heavily into the classic rock at this point. This particular day we were listening to probably the greatest hits of The Who and Pinball Wizard came on. I don't know all the lyrics. Most people probably don't know all the lyrics, but there's one line of the song that everyone knows and everyone shouts or sings along and we were driving, listening to the song and everyone sang the lyric, but not everyone said the same thing. Sure, pleased to meet you all. And it's kind of just one of those record scratch moments where music turns off and we're just like, what did you just say? <laughs> and of course, the line of the song is Deaf, Dumb and Blind Kid sure plays a mean pinball, obviously. But you decided the lyrics are sure pleased to meet you all, which makes sense on no level <laughs> of the song because the kid is deaf, dumb, and blind. So the imagery of him just walking around, shaking hands of everyone that's there to see him, it just seems a bit, bit weird. Also, the funniest part of this for me is that it obviously wasn't the first time you'd heard the song or sang along with the song. It was the only time that you got busted. It's one of those things that every time I hear this song, that's all I hear, and I'm okay with that. Are you serious? Oh. Yeah, 100%. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> sure pleased to meet you all is what your boy Carter thought the lyric was. You know what, though? I actually don't have that much of a problem with you thinking that was the line given yeah. not that like I should have a problem with what other people think about about what lines are but given that this is from a rock opera if that were sung by a character right it's like it would just feel like a Meredith Wilson like music man type thing a character like introducing themselves sort of deal so it's not that that's it's not that weird you know it's funny though you're giving me way too much credit because there's no way I thought about 
this song is a rock opera or <laughs> well, anything like that. I'm just trying like to that. support I, you. Exactly. Yeah, but like, this is me at 16 and 17, and I don't have a very high opinion of myself at that age, having lived it. There's a few problems with this being your, your misheard lyric. One, it happens four times throughout the song. Like, it's pretty consistent. It also is at the end of a long buildup throughout the entire verse. You get that, like, the harmony kind of uh, adds to that. Um, you know, yeah. it starts with that B sus to B major riff. And just kind of building some energy and everything. And then you have that descending progression. You get the one chord, the flat seven, the flat six, and then the five. And it's building up to this crescendo. <laughs> sure, pleased to meet you. All like just embarrassing. It's just not very embarrassing. Dramatic, yeah. I think I thought like, you know, he was being, you know, trotted out in front of a bunch of people to play pinball, which does happen in, in the film, uh, Tommy. Um, and that he was he was pleased to meet everybody, but he is um he doesn't speak, right? I think he's mute <laughs> as well. Yeah. So I don't think he can say. Not sure, to be like not PC, but he's deaf, dumb, and blind. <laughs> yeah, so right. he could. So he can't see anybody out there. He can't hear anybody out there. So he's probably not saying "sure, please to meet you." I, I was so close. <laughs> I just needed a few. Um, of course, the line is "sure plays a mean pinball." There were so many context clues in the lyrics. So he's got crazy flipper fingers, which I, you know, it's whatever. Pinball's not as nearly as popular as it was in the late 60s so you know whatever but this i think this tommy did like i i think my dad was telling me he and his friends got more into pinball because of tommy you know right. like this is part of why pinball was big at the time respect i respect that yeah. the other yeah, one that's you know, cool. feeling all the bumpers uh he's a pinball wizard such a supple wrist that like you know the other part of the chorus <laughs> such a weird line it is a really line out of context but, that's but, a, like yeah. Can you imagine any situation in which you would give someone that compliment? Like, that's so weird. Yeah. The the other thing to mention, too, is like where that moment happens. It's a break in the track and just a Keith Moon drum fill. So, like, if you're going to embarrass yourself, it's it's that's going to be the spot. Like, people are going to know because there's so many songs. You know, the bridge to say it ain't so, I think, is is commonly misheard. But mm, you can kind of, yep. if you're singing along to it, you can kind of disguise and like nobody really knows. Daddy, I write you in spite of you. Like people can, you can disguise where you're at in the song a little bit, but not not this, not Pinball Wizard. You are out there front and center. So is it a commonly right. misheard lyric? No, but it's my commonly misheard lyric. So that's, uh, that's <laughs> where I mean, I'm at. You misheard it many times. I think... That's the thing too that makes this such a weird choice to me is there there are so many singers and so many performances, yeah. including the one that we'll talk about in my segment later, but where the singer stylistically is like mumbly or otherwise hard to understand. The diction's pretty solid yep. in this. No, it's clear. It is. It's clear, man. Uh, Daltrey is very clear. Um, Roger Daltrey, who I, I still think of as a poor man's Robert Plant, but uh, still, although very rich, poor man's Robert Plant. Um, does Elton John do this song too? He does. Like so in the in, movie, maybe in the version. In the, I'm just going to jump to this then. The Sorry. 19. Se- no, it's good. It's good. The 1975 film, obviously based on this rock opera, features Elton John singing from the perspective of the guy meeting the pinball wizard and uh, being blown away by the deaf, dumb, and blind. Ah, that's very cool.
have much else on the song. I mean, it's <laughs> it's good. I, I do think, you know, Townsend saying that it's a clumsy piece of writing. I think that he wrote it in particular just so he could do his arm strumming thing because that's like the whole guitar part is set <laughs> up to be able to do that. that. Um, yeah, I don't. You guys I have think, any other I thoughts think it's a on solid song. Like the it's rhyming a great song. is it's a great pretty song. impressive. It is. The writing spots. is great. Yeah. yeah. Twist and wrist. Come on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Supple wrist. Uh, yeah. No, I I don't have any qualms with it. I also it's just the the record in general. I, I is not memorable as far as who records uh as far you know as far as i know like they have so many other tracks like obviously john entwistle like uh my generation is a rite of passage for any bass player to learn all those little solo fills and things like that Yeah, it was a good cool. choice, Carter. I like Thank it. Thank you. Yeah, it was a good choice. Carter. Yeah, it was, it was a fantastic choice. Let's uh, tell you what. Let's dive into our next track. Blinded by the light, wrapped up like a douche, another runner in the night. Joseph, I mean, I'm sure everybody knows what we're listening to, but what are we listening to, my man? This one is pretty evident. Um, so this song was originally written by Bruce Springsteen. Madman drummers, bombers, and Indians in the summer with a teenage diplomat. In the dumps with the mumps as the adolescent pumps his way in. Um, in his version, it's a little bit clearer, the diction you can hear. Um, but as everyone knows, we hear what I thought it was, wrapped up like a douche, another roner in the night. So I went back wait, wait, and wait, forth. Wait, what's your word? Another what in the night? Uh, Rona, which a R O N A, which I couldn't even find a word to fit in this particular spot here. Makes sense now, though, like post uh, pandemic or during pandemic. Yeah, pandemic's totally. not fully over. Let's yeah. let's keep it a little yeah. that way. Yeah. yeah. So that was the Rona, uh, where I thought of Rona. Um, but what, what it, is the line? It is revved up like a deuce, another runner in the night. Yeah. Okay, so I actually had runner. Correct, always. But I definitely heard douche, too. And I thought... (laughs) And I don't know how not safe for work we're going to get on this episode, given your song choice and also my song choice. We're going to have to be careful. I don't think there's anything not safe for work about it. I just kind of thought that it was like a a, shitty dude. Like a song about like somebody just like... Was that word used like that, though, then? Was it? I feel like that's more... Was that word used like that? at the time of the song like, i don't i don't know because the alternative is also weird right yeah anyway sorry joseph we're we're like getting carried away and you might have the answer <laughs> so um so you can i went back and listened to this a few times and you clearly hear douche so i think a yeah. lot of it is in the performance um you can really hear it and when i try to listen for deuce what it actually is i just can't hear it same so <laughs> i do feel like it was in the performance and it was in the original tracking of yeah. the vocal there 
Um, so I did look up what a deuce is. So for anyone that's not sure, a deuce is actually a car. It's an old Ford coupe. Yeah. Um, so oh. they reference that in a uh, couple yeah. of songs, the Beach Boys, Little Deuce Coupe. Revved up like a deuce actually makes sense when you know what they're saying. Because <laughs> it's not oh, a man. playing card. Because yeah. that's where my mind went. Oh, yeah. deuce. I was like, so like a low card. Interesting. But that didn't make sense. Yeah. Little douche coop. Uh, I wonder yeah. if, uh, like, if they, if you know, Manfred Mann had the opportunity to go back in time and re-record that moment, knowing. Because no. I think they would absolutely go. Well. Because it no, it's kept us talking. That's for true. Decades. Yeah, that was a big moment. Yeah, it's so strange. Like, yeah, it, and I totally agree. To, like, it's the pronunciation, it's the enunciation of it, it's the 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 way it's tracked a little bit. I also yeah. just, I mean, this song is fantastic. It's a great song. I I maybe understand what thirty percent of the lyrics are. There's <laughs> which is weird because he's the, singing pretty clearly. Like, it, yeah. There's some weird lines. Go-kart Mozart stood out to me. And mm-hmm. it's just like yep. rhyme after rhyme after it hits you with so many rhymes at the end of each verse. It's pretty sick, honestly. Well, that's like a good the- in- yeah, internal rhyme going on. And go-kart Mozart was checking out the weather chart to see if it was safe outside. And little early birdie came by in his curly whirly and asked me if I needed a like the the hammer-ons are just fantastic and out of this world dude yeah what else about this track can you tell like uh, that that you want to dive into yeah i mean the rhymes are great i think the rhymes set you up to hear a word that's at least close to it um so the writing really works well on it but yeah again it goes back to the pronunciation of it and uh yeah sounds like douche to me (laughs) can i ask you so there's a line in this that i don't know what it means and when you look it up i can't find a sufficient answer oh man and little early pearly came by in his curly whirly yeah what Mm. i don't know man do you have any idea what that no no. that's a good question do you have the go-kart mozart line (laughs) like please find that what else is around that because that line is so good oh man go-kart mozart was checking out the weather chart (laughs) i guess it like it's all about driving right (laughs) so it's you know what's the light that you're blinded by um, maybe a head-on collision about that. I don't know. It's maybe maybe oh, something like that, right? You know, you're you're cruising. You're always in your car, and like maybe living a little too fast and a little too loose, and uh, you revved up like a deuce. That's the correct way, I think. And uh, yeah, you know, it's a <laughs> the lights coming at you. So I just looked it up on my phone when I'm not looking at you guys on the computer screen. I'm like secretly doing research and I just let the cat out of the bag. Apparently, go-kart Mozart is a, can be used to describe somebody who drives really well. Or who that makes sense. Ah, really that makes well. sense. That makes sense. And it's a, that mm. is an awesome, awesome line. And you know what? I'm going to refer to myself as a go-kart Mozart going forward. Mm, I don't I think. know if you can use it on yourself. I think you might have to use it strictly at other people. <laughs> Otherwise, it comes across as arrogant. <laughs> you could, I think you could use it sarcastically and it would sound like get a load of this go-kart mozart if you, get <laughs> you can pull that off, off i think that's probably a good way to go 
Um, cool. May I know that you have quite a treat oh, I have, for like, us a book report in this for uh, in this last. I'm excited track, so for let's this. Dive right in. <laughs> yes. Be excited, but also I'm sorry. We'll find out. All right, again, I'm sure everybody knows exactly what we're listening to, but what are we listening to? We are listening to the song Louie Louie, written by Richard Berry, but made famous by the Kingsmen in the um, early to mid-60s. Obviously, you guys know this song. Yes, we do. (laughs) How well do you know this song and its history and lore? Uh, Not at all. I I know, obviously, it's in a ton of films and stuff. I did. I don't know what any of the words are. Same yeah. here. Um, I know what Louie <laughs> Louie is. Oh no and oh baby. And then other than that, I have no idea what's going on. So yeah. So Yikes. listeners, you can't see, but I've just adjusted my seating position because we're about to get into it. Oh I have um, never had so much fun researching Fun might be the wrong word. I've never enjoyed researching a track for this podcast so much. The deeper I dug, the more interesting it got. So the lyrics in this track are pretty infamously indecipherable. So much so that the FBI investigated it for over two years. <laughs> That's your wow. tax dollars at work, people. <laughs> two years <laughs> of the FBI investigating. Yeah. We'll come back to that, though. So um, let's, let's start by talking about the song itself. Um, Carter, can you go ahead and give us the first verse, which is um, about 22 seconds into about 40 seconds in? feel like you heard in that i didn't catch anything there (laughs) a fine little girl waiting for me and then after that nothing (laughs) cool so carter can you now give us the same verse from the richard berry and the pharaohs version please fine little girl you wait for me me catch the ship across the sea i sail the ship So something about a ship not making it home, sailing. <laughs> that was a lot Yikes. clearer, though. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. that's the version. That version's, um, I, I want to say, five or six years earlier. And that is Richard Berry, who wrote the song, and the Pharaohs. When the song was written in the 50s, Calypso influences were being heard a lot in popular music. I'm sad to say I'm on my way. Won't be back for many a day. My heart is down, my head is turning around. I had to leave a little girl in Kingston Town. There are a lot of things we can point to in terms of what makes the lyrics so indecipherable in the Kingsman version. Part of the problem is that they were originally written in kind of like um, a fake Jamaican patois. 
which isn't something I think anybody was expecting some white guys in a garage band from Portland to be singing in, you know? So that's part of the issue. Um, There are a couple influences that we can point to that clearly inspired Barry as he was writing the song. One of those is a song called El Loco Chacha by a Cuban-American composer named Rene Touzet. You'll hear it in a second, but very clearly the riff that serves as the kind of rhythmic backbone for Louie Louie came from this song. Yeah, it sounds pretty mm-hmm. familiar. Yeah. yeah. I mean, out. it's basically the groove and then the progression of that section, I guess, which are both things you can't copyright. Yeah, right. thanks. Great being a bass player. It's so sick. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the influence of Calypso went beyond rhythm in music in this era. That Jamaican patois, Richard Berry was not the only person to write like that. There were even bigger artists who did it, like another Berry, Chuck Berry. Yeah. Havana Moon Me all alone With jug of rum Me stand and wait For boat to come Is long denied So it was fairly common for artists to use that patois or their impression of it at the time. Um, Anyway, <laughs> I, I'm kind of rambling. So do you guys have anything you want to say before we get back to the FBI investigation? Uh, n- I don't because that's kind of, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm definitely curious to know. I'm very curious deal. to know. I did notice that the vocals in the first one were very mixed, very lowly, and the instrumental yeah, was really overpowering buried. it. Yeah. Uh, so the pronunciation in the second one was a lot more clear. The vocals were more upfront. And we'll get more into that vocal and how it was recorded in in a bit. But um, awesome. Well, I'll uh, one one last thing for me. I so I I was checking out covers. Uh, Motorhead has a cover of it. Yep. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of covers of the cool. song, of course. But like Motorhead, uh, the Beach Boys have a cover of it. It's really weird. Um, but those those illuminated the lyrics so much that I had to stop listening to them because I did want to yeah. come into this being <laughs> fairly in the dark as to what was actually going on with the words. So. I mean, uh, yeah. so I believe this was the most recorded rock, like anthemic type song in history. Um, wow. And I have really interesting facts about that too, but I'm going to make you wait for them because I want to get into this FBI investigation. Yes, Let's hear it. Again, I'm in like book report mode, which is so weird for me on this show, but I'm like pumped about it. Um, so obviously the 1960s, weird time in our country's history, social revolution, but because of that, there's also a lot of like, morality policing going on yeah um like you even think about the beatles destroying the mindset of the youth like things like that where it's like this is this is so silly obviously the media makes an impression on kids in society but is it the government's job to fix that to this extent uh probably not in my opinion yeah no it's certainly not right let's get into how that's relevant to the song so because the vocal in the song is so hard to understand both kids and adults interpreted the song as being like a lot more scandalous than it actually is i'm not going to read any of their interpretations here because i'd feel ridiculous we will link to the actual FBI report, which is 119 pages long in our show notes. And I believe it's on page four. You can find the yeah. first interpretation. 
It's definitely not safe for work. <laughs> but anyway, kids were interpreting the lyrics wrong and found it funny the way you do when you're a kid. And so they were like writing these dirty lines and passing them to each other in class and things like that. And the government started receiving complaints about this song. It started getting banned from radio stations. Eventually, the FBI opened up an investigation. Love that. When you can't, like, be a parent to your child, you go to the government and get the government. <laughs> like, God. Right? Yeah. Uh, anyways. Can I now read you a letter from a concerned parent to Robert yeah, F. Please. Kennedy? Oh, I'm going to love this. Who was the attorney general <laughs> at the time. Wow. <laughs> Here we go. Dear Mr. Kennedy, who do you turn to when your teenage daughter buys and brings home pornographic or obscene materials being sold along with objects directed and aimed at the teenage market in every city, village, and record shop in this nation? My daughter brought home a record of Louie Louie, and I, after reading that the record had been banned from being played on the air because it was obscene, proceeded to try to decipher the jumble of words. The lyrics are so filthy that I cannot enclose them in this letter. I would like to see these people, the artists, artists in quotes, <laughs> the record company, and the promoters prosecuted to the full extent of the law. <laughs> we all know there is, this is bad grammar, but we all know there's obscene materials available for those who seek it. But when they start sneaking in this material in the guise of the latest teenage rock and roll hit record, these morons have gone too far. Whoa, I, these morons. <laughs> this land of ours is so headed good. for an extreme state of moral degradation with what with this record, the biggest hit movies, and the sex and violence exploited on TV. How can we stamp out this menace? Four question marks, typed letter. <laughs> Mr. Kennedy, so I want to speak to the manager of the United States of America now, please. Essentially, yeah. Oh my God. God, dude, I I need a <laughs> framed copy of that letter. Just to, like, that's. I mean, you could print it out. Art. It's in the middle that of that report, which the FBI has oh, made so available good. to us. Information's been redacted, so but good. um. So Robert F. Kennedy and J. Edgar Hoover were receiving letters like that from the public. So the FBI was like, "We gotta get this Louis Louis song out because it's a menace that needs to be stamped out." Apparently. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, so there were so there's things like they thought they intentionally garbled the words in order to sneak dirty lyrics out there and negatively influence the youth of America. The two-year investigation included doing quote-unquote lab tests where they played the track at different speeds and backwards and forwards and from different starting points, searching for some hidden dirty message that the band claimed wasn't there. One thing they did not do in the investigation is talk to Jack Ely, <laughs> who provided the lead vocals for the track. Two years and they didn't good... talk. I feel like that's the first thing you do. Yeah. Yeah, you would think so. They needed to get David Caruso on this one. He would have <laughs> cracked the case for sure. But yeah, so they supposedly didn't talk to him. There are statements from somebody who claims to be a band member in the 119-page report, but their name is redacted, and he has said <laughs> they didn't talk to him about it. So um, anyway, so that that's all interesting. You should all read that report if you need some not-so-light oh, but man. very entertaining reading. Um, Joseph, you brought up the way that things were mixed and the recording process. There's some stuff about that that's worth knowing because it probably also contributed to how hard it is to hear things. Mm -hmm. So their recording setup, or their alleged recording setup, was super weird. <laughs> All the musicians sort of formed a circle in one room around Jack and played their instruments like live. 
Yeah. So there's literally surrounding him. <laughs> so everything's bleeding into the vocal. Everything's Sick. bleeding into everything uh, else. It sick. wasn't, nothing was isolated. It wasn't like they were doing multiple takes <laughs> that they c- cut together. It was a live recording um, for all intents and purposes. They sound tight. So that's good. Good performance and everything. Right. But yeah. The vocal, the vocals, I've not, they don't have a chance. They don't have a chance to be no. able to hear. And I mean, it's like, it's grungy. Are. So that makes, like, it sounds right for it to be like that. Like mm-hmm. his voice being strained feels correct for the sound you know yeah Yeah. Um, you would typically you know have a mic stand with a mic set up less than a foot in front of a singer's face pop filter possibly not the case they hung a mic from the roof or from the ceiling rather and it was supposedly several feet above him so (laughs) he's working really hard to be heard (laughs) there is a an energy in the vocal performance like, yeah, it's very punk right. but yeah it is it's a punk track mm-hmm. and and that's awesome and they're like a garage and, band yeah. like and i mean that in like the loving garage rock kind of way yeah definitely mm-hmm. let me slap another layer of weirdness onto that at the time he remembers having braces that he thinks were recently tightened mm. um and if you've ever had braces even in recent years it's really difficult to speak normally i can only imagine what it was like in the 1960s so all that's going on. Of course, we don't know what he's yeah, saying, not right? Not good. No, that's, uh, mm-hmm. but wow. So in the end, the FBI determined that the lyrics were, in fact, morally sound and no further action needed to be taken other than those two years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that said, they did either miss oh. or choose to overlook one thing that made it through. Did you hear it? Yeah, I heard, did you say fuck in the back or something? Yeah. Really? The drummer dropped his drumstick and yelled. That's, that's, oh, that's awesome. Great. <laughs> and two years of looking for profanity in the song. So they did actually have some in and everybody missed it. The only Play it like, again. Profanity, Play it again real quick. Because it's so I funny because no you can't idea. unhear it now. It's easy to overlook. Yeah, I heard that, that, is that now. Awesome. Right? And you're all yeah. in one room, so it's not like you can just take it out of the mix. <laughs> I they I love how they also didn't just do another take. <laughs> like, I know, was, but maybe they thought it was kind of like it's it's punk rock to leave that in wow. there. It's part of the style. Yeah, There's, I haven't listened closely enough to the drums to hear if you can if it really sounds like somebody dropped a stick and that shows up in the playing and all there. But um, one last little topic because I know that I've been kind of giving you guys a lecture on the song Louis Louis, <laughs> but it's fascinated me and I couldn't help myself. This song has been recorded over a thousand times, apparently. Wow. wow. But the writer Richard Berry didn't actually benefit from that financially during the heyday of the song. Sick. Love seeing that always. He God. supposedly sold the rights to the song for $750 in the year 1959. Wow. Sick. So shortly after he wrote it, in order to pay for his wedding. Yeah. But in the mid-1980s, he was encouraged to take legal action and... The settlement took him from um, living on welfare to becoming a millionaire. Wow. So, yeah, that's Uh all I have. But there's a lot more and people should dig even deeper because it just gets weirder. (laughs) I'm so curious now. (laughs) 
Joseph, as always, you're an incredible songwriter and producer. You also happen to be yes. an amazing Soundfly mentor. But please share with us and our audience just what you're up to musically these days, where folks can find you, where they can listen to your music. Yeah, the floor is yours for anything you'd like to share. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. This was great. Um, so you guys can find me on Instagram. That's probably the best place to find me, Joseph Capalbo Music. Um, and yeah, I'm always putting out new music, doing things for film and TV, uh, mentoring songwriters and producers. Shout out to Soundfly. So <laughs> definitely check me out there on Instagram and let's connect. And that's going to do it for this episode of Themes and Variation. Thank you so much for listening. We want to know the songs you love that have commonly misheard lyrics. So as always, there is a link to a Spotify community playlist in our show notes. Feel free to add your selections there. And if you'd like to work with Joseph Capalbo or another one of our amazing mentors, you can head to soundfly.com or drop us a line at support at soundfly.com. And as a special treat, we're going to play this one out with the Joseph Capalbo track, Amplify the Moment. And this track can actually be licensed through Clang Lobby and BMG Production Music. We will see you in two weeks with a new episode and a new theme.